Before I start today, I would like to urge you to all subscribe, follow and or comment on your podcast platform of choice. The recent bout of the COVID pandemic got me thinking, what is healthcare and what is the difference between that and public health? Healthcare is the upkeep or enhancement of our health via prevention, diagnosis, treatment, recovery, or cure of disease, illnesses, injury, and other physical or mental impairments in individuals. Healthcare is delivered by health professionals and those allied in health fields. Things like medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, midwifery, nursing, audiology, psychology, occupational therapy, physical therapy, athletic training, and other health professions are all part of healthcare. It includes work done in providing primary care, secondary care, and tertiary care, as well as in public health, and I'll get to that in a bit. Access to healthcare varies significantly across countries, across communities, and in between individuals as well. It's influenced by social and economic conditions, as well as health policies in your country of residence. Health policy is something else, though. Healthcare is something we're familiar with. However, health policy is decided by others, and can be defined as decisions, plans, and actions that are undertaken to achieve specific healthcare goals within a given society. According to the WHO, or World Health Organization, an explicit health policy can achieve several things. It defines a vision for the future, it outlines priorities and the expected roles of diverse groups of people, and it builds consensus and ultimately informs people about health. There are numerous categories of health policies, including global health policy, public health policy, mental health policy, healthcare services policy, insurance, personal healthcare policies, pharmaceutical policies, and policies related to public health such as vaccinations, tobacco control policy, breastfeeding promotion. They may cover topics of financing and delivery of healthcare, access to quality care, and health equity. Many countries and jurisdictions integrate a human rights philosophy in directing the healthcare policies. The WHO reports that every country in the world is party to at least one human rights treaty that addresses health-related rights, including the right to health, as well as other rights that relate to conditions necessary for good health. The United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights, also known as UDHR, says that medical care is a right for all people. So I'm going to quote Article 25 of UDHR here. I'm quoting word by word here. Everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and of his family, including food, clothing, housing, and medical care, and necessary social services, and the right to security in the event of unemployment, illness, disability, widowhood, old age, or other lack of livelihood in circumstances beyond his control. End quote. Then there's the question of financing. How do you finance this healthcare? Well, many types of health policies exist focusing on the financing of healthcare services to spread economic risks of ill health. These include publicly funded healthcare through something like taxation or insurance, that's called a single-payer system, mandatory or voluntary private health insurance, and complete capitalization of personal healthcare through private companies, amongst other private means. 
Historical evidence suggests that government spending on health is essential for the accessibility and sustainability of healthcare services and programs. For those people who would otherwise go without care due to lack of financial means, any quality care is ultimately an improvement on their lot. Since people perceive universal healthcare as, in inverted commas, free, they are more likely to seek preventative care which may reduce the disease burden and overall healthcare costs. However, it also results in people abusing the system and clogging the process. However, privately funded medicine leads to greater quality and efficiencies through increased access and reduced waiting times for specialized healthcare services and technologies. However, private also has its problems. Because people, well, not everyone, has access to private healthcare or it could be too expensive for them. Privately funded and operated healthcare reduces requirement for governments to increase taxes to cover healthcare costs, which may be compounded by the inefficiencies that governments have in running anything. But it does have its downsides, like I said. Healthcare systems are ultimately organizations established to meet health needs of targeted populations. Ultimately, it's run by people and it's always got problems whether it's a publicly funded or privately funded system. If you're running a health system, there are a few things you should consider. One, health systems should not be expressed in terms of their components, but also in terms of relationships within the community. Health systems should include not only the institutional or supply side of the health system, but also the population of the community, i.e. community, community, community. The health system must be seen in terms of their goals, which includes not only the health improvement, but also equity, responsiveness to legitimate expectations, respect of dignity and fair financing, amongst other things. Health systems must also be defined in terms of their functions, including the direct provision of services, whether they're medical or public health services. The World Health Organization defines a health system as, and I quote, this is a long one, so bear with me, a health system consists of all organizations, people, and actions whose primary intent is to promote, restore, or maintain health. This includes efforts to influence the terms of health as well as more direct health-improving activities. A health system is therefore more than the pyramid of publicly-owned facilities that deliver personal health services. It includes, for example, a mother caring for a sick child at home, private providers, behavior change programs, vector control campaigns, health insurance organizations, occupational health, and safety legislations. It includes intersectoral action by health staff, for example, encouraging the Ministry of Education to promote female education, as well as a known determinant of better health, end quote. What you should be getting out of this is that there needs to be a healthcare system in your community serving your community. If you look around and you see that, then you're in luck. If you do not see that, then you have a failed system. Moving on, then what are providers? Healthcare providers are institutions or individuals providing healthcare services. They're part of that healthcare ecosystem. Individuals, these individuals, include healthcare professionals and allied health professionals and can be self-employed or work as an employee in a hospital, clinic, or other healthcare facility. They can be government-operated or private. Interestingly, an efficient healthcare system can also contribute to a significant part of a country's economy, development, and industrialization. Healthcare is 
conventionally regarded as an important determinant in promoting the general physical and mental health well-being of people all over the world. If you want a strong country or a community, you make sure that your healthcare is top priority. An example of this was the worldwide eradication of smallpox in 1980, declared by the WHO as the first disease in human history to be eliminated by deliberate healthcare interventions. The delivery of modern healthcare depends on groups of trained professionals and paraprofessionals coming together as interdisciplinary teams. This includes professionals in medicine, psychology, psychotherapy, nursing, dentistry, midwifery, and other allied health, plus many others such as public health practitioners, community health workers, and assistive personnel who systematically supply personnel and population-based preventative healing and rehabilitation services. It's not a village. It's a city that runs healthcare. They typically break down healthcare into about three or four categories. Primary care, secondary care, tertiary care, and home and community care. So primary care refers to the work of health professionals who act as the first point of consultation for all patients within the healthcare system. A secondary care includes acute care, necessary treatment for a short period of time for a brief but serious illness or injury. This care is often found in a hospital emergency department. Secondary care actually also includes skilled attendance during childbirth, intensive care, and medical imaging services. Tertiary care, however, is specialized consultative health care, usually for inpatients. Example of tertiary care services, cancer management, neurosurgery, cardiac surgery, plastic surgery, treatment of severe burns, etc., etc., etc. Then finally, there's actually a fourth one called home and community care. This is somewhat relatively a new concept, new-ish concept. Or you could argue that it goes back in time because everything used to be home and community care back in the past, but now, of course, it's uh, industrialized. So home and community care, many types of healthcare interventions actually can be delivered outside of healthcare facilities. These include things like... Um, care in the community like home care, long-term care, assisted living, treatment of substance dis uh, use disorders, among other types of social care services. I have taken the liberty of making lists. Now, healthcare systems across the world are very different. And since we have a lot of listeners from different countries, I thought I'd list out where your country's healthcare falls under which system at the highest level. And I'm being generous in this, so please bear with me. So, the first one. These are countries with universal government-funded health systems. In this system, also known as sometimes a single-payer healthcare system, government-funded healthcare is available to all citizens, regardless of their income or employment status. Some countries may provide healthcare to non-citizen residents, while some may require them to buy private insurance. At the end of the day, this system is free delivery, free delivery at the point of care. Australia, Bahrain, Bhutan, Botswana, Brazil, Brunei, Canada, Cuba, Denmark, Finland, Georgia, Greece, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, Kuwait, Malaysia, Malta, New Zealand, North Korea, Norway, Oman, Portugal, San Marino, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Spain, Sri Lanka, Sweden, Taiwan, Trinidad and Tobago, and the United Kingdom. Countries that have universal public insurance systems are different. In these countries, workers 
have social insurance, usually governments withhold part of their wage, which is divided between employee and employer. People who don't have legal contract of employment and or can't register as unemployed may be eligible for free, free healthcare. These countries are Albania, Andorra, Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, China, Hong Kong, Macau, Colombia, Croatia, Czech Republic, Estonia, France, Germany, Hungary, Iran, India, Japan, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, Monaco, Moldova, Montenegro, Poland, Qatar, Romania, Russia, Serbia, Singapore, Slovakia, Slovenia, South Korea, Ukraine, and two emirates in the UAE, i.e. Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Then there is, there are countries with universal public-private insurance systems. In this system, some people receive healthcare via primary private insurance, while people who are ineligible for it get it from the government. These include Algeria, Argentina, Chile, Cyprus, Mexico, Peru, Turkey. Then there are countries with universal private health insurance systems. In this system, people receive healthcare via mandatory private insurance usually subsidized by the government for lower-income citizens. They include Israel, Liechtenstein, Netherlands, Sweden. Then there are countries with non-universal insurance systems. In this system, some citizens have private health insurance, some are eligible for subsidized public health care, while some are not insured at all. These include Bangladesh, Burundi, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, Indonesia, Jordan, Kenya, Nigeria, Paraguay, the remaining Emirates of the United Arab Emirates, Tanzania, Uganda, the United States, Yemen. Most so-called developed countries have partially or fully publicly funded health systems. Most Western industrial countries have a system of social insurance based on the principle of social solidarity that covers eligible people from bearing the direct burden of most healthcare expenditure funded by taxation throughout their working lives. In other words, it's a socialized health system. Financing of medical services is a hot potato topic in just about every country. Among uh, countries with significant public funding of healthcare, there are many different approaches to the funding system. Systems may be funded from general government revenue, such as in the UK or Canada, or through government social security systems, such as France or Belgium. The proportion of the cost of care covers also differs. In Canada, all hospital care is paid for by the government, while in Japan, patients must pay 10 to 30% of the cost of a hospital stay. Services provided by public systems do vary. For example, Belgian government pays the bulk of the fees for dental care and eye care, while the Australian government covers eye care but not dental care. So it's all over the shop. In short, healthcare is clearly different from public health policy. I want to take a sample now of some countries, because unless you've traveled and experienced the system in another country firsthand, it's difficult to fathom what other people are experiencing in terms of their health in those countries. So... Let's travel. Cuba. Healthcare in Cuba, by the way, Cuba is as close as you're going to get to a completely socialist-run country, but it consists of a government-coordinated system that guarantees universal coverage 
and consumes a lower proportion of the nation's GDP, about 7.3%, than some highly privatized systems such as the US, which is at 16%. That was in 2008, by the way. The system does not charge fees in Cuba in treating elective treatment for patients from abroad, interestingly enough, but tourists who fall ill are treated for free in Cuban hospitals. Cuba attracts patients mostly from Latin America and Europe by offering care of comparable quality to a developed nation, but at much lower prices. Cuba's own health indicators are some of the best in Latin America and surprise those even of close neighbor the United States in some respects. In India, the hospitals and clinics are run by government charitable trusts and by private organizations. The public clinics in rural areas are called primary health centers, Public hospitals are free for all and entirely funded through taxes. Major hospitals are in district headquarters or major cities. At the federal level, a national health insurance program was launched in 2018 by the government of India. This aimed to cover the bottom 50%, i.e. 500 million odd people, of the country's population working in the unorganized sector and offers them free treatment even at private hospitals. In India, for people working in the organized sector and earning a monthly salary of up to rupees 21,000 are covered by the social insurance scheme of the employee's state insurance, which entirely funds their health care, both in public and private hospitals, by the way. People earning more than that amount are provided health insurance coverage by their employers, through, though many public or private insurance companies. As of the year 2020, 300 million Indians are covered by insurance bought from the private sector. Unemployed people there, without coverage, are covered by various state insurance schemes if they do not have the means to pay for it. In 2019, the total net government spending on healthcare was 36 billion USD, or about 1.3%, of its GDP. This is very, very low. In other words, the quality of care in India is therefore an impact and a concern. India not only needs to double, treble or quadruple that, but India should be spending up to about 7% of its GDP on healthcare. In Japan, services are provided either through regional national public hospitals or through private hospitals or clinics, and patients have universal access to any facility through hospitals tend to charge higher for those without a referral. Public health insurance covers most citizens and pays 70% or more cost for each care and each prescribed drug. Patients are responsible for the remainder. The monthly insurance premium is up to about 50,000 Japanese yen per household. There is an upper limit in terms of cost. Supplementary private health insurance is available only to cover the co-payments or non-covered costs and usually makes a fixed payment per year or per month. Japan spends about 8.2% of its GDP on healthcare. The United States currently operates under a mixed market healthcare system. Government sources, federal, state, and local account for 45% of US healthcare expenditures. Yes, the government accounts for 45% of US healthcare expenditures. Private sources account for the remainder of the costs with about 38% of people receiving health coverage through their employers and 17% arising from other private payment, such as private health insurance and out-of-pocket copays. In the US, 12% to 16% of the citizens do not have health insurance. That, in a country that uses 16% of its GDP on the cost of health care. 
Zimbabwe these days, at least in 2021, has one of the lowest life expectancies on the planet. 44, age 44 on average for men, and 43 for women. That's down from 60 in 1990. The rapid drop has been ascribed to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. Infant mortality has risen from 59 per thousand in the late 90s to 123 per thousand by 2004. The health system in Zimbabwe has collapsed. By the end of November 2008, three of Zimbabwe's four major hospitals had shut down, along with the Zimbabwe Medical School, and the fourth major hospital had two wards and no operating theatres working. Due to hyperinflation, those hospitals still open are not able to obtain basic drugs and medicines. The ongoing political and economic crisis in Zimbabwe over the last several years also contributed to the immigration of the doctors and people with medical knowledge. Back in 2008, large areas of Zimbabwe were struck by a cholera pandemic. In Senegal, they have three main levels of healthcare provision. They exist at the central level, the regional level, and the local level. The national health system is divided into three levels, regional hospitals, district health centers, and health posts. Rural health care is divided into three parts, health centers, health posts, and health points. Health centers are at the top, with one to two medical doctors and 12, 15 to 20 people as part of the health staff. Health posts are below these, with four or five health workers. At the lowest level are health points, which house one or two health agents and a midwife. The system has been the subject of much criticism, especially because of the increasing demands of profitability and the corruption in this part of the government, as well as other domains of public life generally. The health budget in Senegal has tripled between 1980 and 2000, leading to the Senegalese people leading healthier and longer lives. The life expectancy at birth is about 55 years for men and 58 years for women, and 56 years for the entire population on average. Also, the prevalence rate of AIDS in Senegal is one of the lowest in Africa at 0.9%. Healthcare in China consists of both public and private medical institutions and insurance programs. About 95% of the population has at least basic health insurance coverage. Despite this, public health insurance generally only covers about half of the medical cost, with the proportion lower for serious or chronic illnesses. Under the Healthy China 2020 initiative, China has undertaken an effort to cut healthcare costs, requiring insurance to cover 70% of the total cost. In other words, China, as opposed to India, has a robust healthcare system. Most healthcare services in Thailand is delivered by the public sector, which includes about 1,000 hospitals and about 10,000 health stations. Universal healthcare is provided through three programs, civil welfare system for civil servants and their families, social security for private employees, and universal coverage for just about uh, everyone else. Some private hospitals are participants in these programs, though most are financed by patient self-payment and private insurance. In Thailand, the Ministry of Public Health is a centralized institution of the government and it is the one institution that pretty much controls much of the healthcare system. Although there have been national policies for decentralization, there has been some resistance in implementing such changes. That means that the MOPH 
still directly controls most aspects of healthcare. Russia, in 1991-1993, changed from a communist to a mixed model of healthcare. Article 41 of the 1993 Constitution confirmed a citizen's right to healthcare and medical assistance free of charge in state and municipal health establishments. Private clinics are separate systems, and it is funded by separate payments of their clients or by private insurance companies via paid voluntary health insurance. Only paid clinics allow all types of anonymous medical care. State and municipal health state and municipal health establishments also have the right to provide paid services to any person or in addition to fee services. The four countries that compromise the United Kingdom have separate but cooperating public health care systems that were created in the year 1948. In England, the public system is known as the National Health Service or NHS. In Scotland, it is known as NHS Scotland, in Wales as NHS Wales, and in Northern Ireland, it is called the Health and Social Care in Northern Ireland. All four provide state-paid healthcare to all UK residents, paid for from general taxation. Though the public systems dominate private healthcare and a wide variety of alternative and complementary treatments are also available for those who have private health insurance or are willing to directly pay for it themselves. The NHS, in other words, is free at the point of delivery. Norway has a government-run and government-financed universal healthcare system covering physical and mental health for all and dental health for children under the age of 16. Hospitals are paid by the state and doctor visit fees are capped at a low rate. Short-term prescriptions for medication are market price, but long-term prescriptions defined more as more than about three months a year are eligible for large discounts. In addition, a yearly cap applies for people with high medical expenses. So no matter what country you live in, and of course I have not covered many countries, both having good and bad experiences, no matter what country you are listening to on this, we, you, me, all need to use healthcare services during our lifetimes. Healthcare is an inevitable cost of existence. You or me really value it. Healthcare, you value it most when you personally or a family member or friend is in dire need of medical support. At that point, at that point of delivery, the lack of support matters because it can be life or death. The support can give you a better standard of life if you end up living. It's peace of mind that health is something one does not have to always think about. That's why a successful government implements a successful healthcare policy. Poverty can cause lack of investment in healthcare or public health. We've seen that. We talked about Zimbabwe, for example. Wealth, however, does not automatically deliver the best-in-class public policy or healthcare. Cuba is an example of that, as well as the United States. All systems are ultimately flawed. All of them have problems. I'm not here to suggest one system is better than another. There are multiple systems at play. My goal here was simply to highlight how healthcare systems over the world differ, what public policy in health is, and what healthcare actually means. The politics 
and implementation is up to you to decide. Thank you for listening to the Alternative History Podcast. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, or follow on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Thank you again so very much.